0: Good morning everyone. Good to see you all uh, today and uh, thank you to Chris for leading us through so helpfully and uh, Mike uh, in communion uh, as well. Um, Now there's another announcement that we need to just add to what Chris has given out this morning and what's in the bulletin and that is that uh, two weeks today, Sunday the 8th of July at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, at Hillview, uh, we're having a baptismal service, and uh, on that occasion, uh, Lisa, whose face has immediately been taken over by one big smile, is going to be baptized, and has just completed with Roger and with uh, Abby Brooke, her baptismal classes, and so that's going to be a great day for Lisa, and she's inviting her friends and family, but it's going to be good for us all to be there as well. And then also possibly Barry Clark uh, will be uh, baptized as well. Uh, He's having his baptismal sessions at the moment with Mark and with uh, David Whitaker, And uh, uh, those will go through. And at the end of that, uh, Barry will uh, make a decision as to whether he wants to be baptized on the 8th of July. um, Or or whether he might perhaps prefer to wait. But we'll pray for Barry. And we'll pray for Lisa for that great day. Please put that slot in the afternoon. It's the first Sunday of the month, so that will be in place of evening communion, I guess. Um, so that will be uh, a great occasion. We praise God. It's the second Sunday, so there's none anyway. Thank you very much. <coughs> now, all the publicity uh, about today um, has said power in preaching uh, as our subject. But um, when I went to check with the information that had been given to me uh, by Roger, who lays out uh, all our programs for Sunday morning that uh, uh, we uh, agree and discuss as elders uh, before we go ahead with it, When I checked on it for today, just to make sure that I was getting everything right, in the passage of Scripture right, and all of that sort of thing, it didn't say power in preaching, all right? But it said that, power in Jesus' name. And I've just got a feeling that uh, after the way that Chris has led us with his amazing use of wallpaper, and the way that we have praised God for the wonderful names of Jesus, and what that can mean to us, that uh, maybe power in Jesus' name, is what we need to be uh, about uh, today. Uh, last week, uh, we, 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 we record that the, the ministry of Jesus uh, was characterized by doing and saying. And that should now be uh, sort of ingrained in us, you know, like Blackpool Rock. The ministry of Jesus, doing and saying. And last Sunday, and again in our home groups, we thought about that doing part uh, of this event, the amazing miracle that had taken place. This man crippled for over 40 years, now being healed, and not just being able to walk, but it looks as though with a bit of training, he could have been uh, in the Olympic trials yesterday for the high jump or pole vault or something like that. Not surprisingly... Uh, In no time at all, Peter had an instant audience. Verse 11 says, While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And naturally, this phenomena, this amazing thing that had happened... Uh, It just spread like wildfire and everybody just went to where the man was and where Peter and John was to see what had happened. And Peter wastes no time at all, no time at all, to speak to them about it. And then he goes on to preach another sermon. The doing provided the opportunity for the saying. Uh, Barry's not with us uh, this morning, but uh, if we remember... Um, Barry and Liz and Eddie, we came to know them through CAF and uh, it was when Glynis had a phone call where uh, the uh, coordinator for CAF, um, who is a Christian lady, said, I think I've got a family which is for your church and uh, it was Barry and Liz and as we know at the time, um, Barry was taking time off work uh, to care for Liz. Uh, who was terminally ill uh, with cancer. And uh, Glynis went around uh, to explore with them uh, just all the practical ways that we perhaps might be able to help them as church. And you know the outcome because several of you in the church over a period of time uh, were helpful in that situation Um, and continue to be so, even though Liz uh, has gone to be with the Lord. But uh, on that occasion, If I remember it rightly, and and Glynis will correct me uh, if I'm wrong, I may not have the legal thing, but the gist of it was that uh, Glynis said, and by the way, don't forget, we're a church. We're a church. And we have elders that can come and help you spiritually and pray with you. And if I remember it again correctly, the following Sunday morning to that, They were here as a family in church. There's nods coming from the Whitaker direction. Uh, And we can say that, you know, the rest is history. We know uh, what the rest is. Uh, And now, although uh, Liz is no longer with us, uh, Barry is going on with the Lord uh, and wants to take the step uh, of being baptized. Uh, And so, Glynis proved... This situation like Peter and John did the doing (laughs) that we were prepared to do for that family in the community in need in their moment of need led to the opportunity for saying (laughs) and for that family being blessed in spiritual ways as well after Peter's first sermon at Pentecost um, we remember that there was about 3,000 that responded Um, to what Peter had said, his preaching, and uh, they came to faith and they were added to the number of believers at that time. Uh, After the healing and this second sermon that he preaches, uh, we find if we sneak over into chapter 4 and verse 4, that the number of men had grown to about 5,000. So... um, I guess they said that, well, the Bible says that every day people were being added to the church. But if a significant number came uh, to to, to the Lord after Pentecost, which we regard as the big sermon, let's not diminish the effect of this one, where the head count after this was 5,000 men, about 5,000 men, and then there would have been uh, others as well. Now, if you remember last week, um, we, we considered how the man was healed. Peter said that it was nothing to do with him. When Peter said this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Peter said, it's nothing to do with us. Um, But it was everything to do with faith in Jesus' name. Down in verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. And then uh, last week, I I spoke about that dilemma that was in my mind uh, from uh, uh, Acts 3, in verse 6, when Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then he says, it's nothing to do with us. And I posed the question that was still in my mind, what was it then that Peter gave? What was it that Peter gave? Now, for those of you that were in home groups uh, on Wednesday or whenever your uh, home group day is, or even if you were not in home group but you get the sheets and maybe you looked at them at home, maybe you had a little think about that. I've not had too much feedback uh, other than in our own home group, but... um, Today, what I've done is, over on the side there, put an extract from uh, John Piper uh, on this passage of Scripture. And there's an extract there, which is just about the most comprehensive that I can get in explaining what was going on when this man was healed. And, and there's a few copies over there on the side, first come, first served. Although, if you miss out, I'm happy to, to run off a few more uh, on the printer. So then, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, power in Jesus' name. In many ways, when you go through this sermon, this second sermon of Peter, it's very similar uh, to the first. As he explains the purposes of God for Israel, uh, and as well as for for the Gentiles as well. And uh, we read how that he went right back to Abraham, right to the very start of the nation of Israel, And he also goes on to explain the significance of the prophets and he mentions in dispatches Moses uh, and Samuel uh, and so on. And the people at this time, he said, were living in momentous days. Days when all the prophets had said was actually being fulfilled. Verse 24. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenants God made with your fathers. And you are heirs. God had said it through Abraham. All the uh, nations of the earth uh, were going to be blessed. And now they were living in the days when Messiah had come And God was going to bless them. They were living in momentous days. But of course they failed to recognize the significance of days that they were living in. And then Peter spells out in his sermon how they had treated their Messiah. Particularly in verses 13 uh, to 15. And uh, Peter says there were four things four things which they had done in relation to their Messiah. They'd handed him over to be killed. They disowned him before Pilate. They decided that a murderer had to be released. And they had actually killed the author of life. Quite something when you think about that one. They had killed the author of life. But uh, we read in the Old Testament... In a couple of places, actually, Job is one of them, that the purposes of God cannot be thwarted. The purposes of God cannot be thwarted. And in spite of all the people done to Jesus, it did not change for one moment who Jesus is or what God has done. And so this was how God responded to what the people did. To God, he's the long-awaited servant of the Lord. It was at just the right time, if we remember from Scripture, that Paul says that Jesus came into the world to die uh, for sinners. He is the author of life. They had killed him, but it didn't alter the fact that he is still the author of life. He is the holy and the righteous one. That was one of our, on the wallpaper today, I think. Don't check, all right? We'll be here all for the rest of the morning, I think. All right? God raised him from the dead. They killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And more than that, God has glorified him. Now, it's interesting to see, isn't it, that what man did to him, there were four on the list. As far as God was concerned, there's five on his list. You you see, God will always have the last word. And no purposes of God can be thwarted. God has glorified him. Back in that first sermon, we have that wonderful verse, verse 36, when Peter is preaching. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Lord for the benefit of the world. Christ... (laughs) just so that the Jews get the message. He is their Messiah. That was for the Jews, uh, that one. Just want now to turn to a couple of very familiar portions of Scripture uh, to read them. We sing that song, uh, Jesus, what a beautiful name. And in Philippians 2, Verse 9, Paul writes this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in Jesus and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Of God the Father. Hebrews 1. In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. At many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed heir of all things. And through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus of course in itself. As we've already thought about this morning. Is a human name. It's a lowly name. He came as a servant, but to all who know him, (coughs) he is a wonderful name. It means savior. It means salvation, as we've already thought about in our prayers this morning. You will call his name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. But the name of Jesus is Lord. The name of Jesus is Lord. He's sovereign. He's ruler over all. And at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. We have read. Now that is not at the name Jesus. It's at the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus is Lord. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, is Lord. And Paul says that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to acknowledge in the coming day that Jesus is Lord. That will be the likes of us, those who know him, believers. It's going to be atheists as well. It's going to be agnostics. It's going to be, sadly, people of other faiths. Who have believed something else. It's going to include those who have used his name in blasphemy. It's going to include those who have disregarded and just ignored him and had no time to him and so on. So that when we repent, when we pray, when we serve God and so on and do it in his name. I believe we are calling upon and invoking all that God is in all his greatness. When we serve, when we pray, when we act in his name, we are calling upon and invoking all that God is. Lord of all. (laughs) He's eternal. (laughs) He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all wise. He's all present, etc. And we're calling upon God in all his fullness to respond in that situation. And so he does. But it's, I believe, only according to his sovereign and his perfect will. As we saw last week, God acts for his glory. He does act for the blessing of people, but he also acts for his glory. And... uh, I had uh, an email during the week asking uh, me my uh, opinion on certain verses uh, of, of scripture that were re- related to this. And um, in, in my reply, uh, you, you know, why is it that when we pray and call upon God uh, or in certain ways for certain things that God does not always answer? That, that's how we perceive it. But God always does answer. His answer, as we've considered it in times gone by, is is yes, not yet, or no. We only recognize his answers, the ones that are yes, and tick our boxes. That's the problem. We don't see a not yet as an answer from God, necessarily. Uh, And we have great difficulty in coming to terms with a no answer from God. But all (laughs) our requests to him when we pray, are answered according to his perfect and sovereign will. And God wants us to have the spiritual maturity to be able to discern when it is a yes, when it is a not yet, and when it is even uh, a no. So then, the power that is in uh, Jesus' name. We'll leave that one in. Now, um, chapter four uh, is for next week, uh, as we know, and I don't want to uh, stray, over, uh, stray over into Rory Jones's um, uh, territory, uh, but I am going to be a bit sneaky. I've already done it once this morning to get the fact that there were 5,000 people uh, and so on that uh, were the head count after the second sermon. All right, But if we uh, read verse 12, because it's all related to this event, we find that verse where Peter is still speaking, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must uh, be saved. And so I want us to think about, uh, uh, for a few moments, uh, uh, salvation uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, The word salvation, when I looked it up, the source that I used, uh, conveys the idea of God delivering us. God delivering us. And the word saved conveys the idea of uh, being safe in relation to the consequences of sin, the outcome of sin in our lives because of the way God is able to forgive and pardon being safe in the context of being preserved in life, in danger, and so on and so forth, in relation to health, in relation to health, and being made whole. And so the word "saved," you you know, can have a whole variety of meanings depending upon the context. And certainly, in relation to the miracle that has gone on here, it was in relation to the man's condition, his physical condition. It was related to his health. And in that way he had been saved. But the preaching of John, uh, of Peter sorry, we take it primarily, as evangelicals, as being in relation to salvation. Now, this came up on a Sunday evening recently in, uh, in worship and communion. And uh, Paul Drinkwater helped me with a certain website which, uh, y- you know, gives translations of all the verses uh, in, in the original Greek and so on that I found quite helpful. And so, it, this verse 12, it seems to me, could be read, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be made whole. We must be made whole. Just want to conclude by, by turning back to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 just briefly. Praise the Lord O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Bless the Lord O my soul. And forget not all his benefits or all his blessings. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. who satisfies your desires with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And so David lists out these blessings. He says... God forgives, God heals, God redeems, God crowns, and God satisfies. And I believe that represents in totality what is the salvation of God. What is the salvation of God? Forgiving our sin, healing our disease, diseases, uh, diseases, redeeming us, all right, crowning us and satisfying us. Those that are familiar with the, the Hill Center of Christian healing will know that uh, the basis on which they operate is founded on these verses. They take forgiveness, healing, redeeming, crowning, satisfying, put it in a circle like a cartwheel and call it the circle of God's love. And it's within that circle of God's love, the comprehensive nature of God's salvation that we find our wholeness. We find our wholeness. Their definition for Christian healing is Jesus meeting you at your point of need. How Jesus met this man at his point of need to make him whole. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. Uh, I believe that there is a healing of the soul that takes place when we become a Christian. And our relationship with God is restored. Isaiah 53, those lovely words. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed, he says. We are healed. As far as physical healing, well, we know that God can heal. We've been considering the case of one of these way back uh, for the past two weeks. And perhaps we know of people who have been healed in wonderful ways. But clearly illness and sickness is still very much, is it not, um, very much part of our lives. We have doctors, we have hospitals. (laughs) It costs the government a lot of money to run the NHS. And then there's the private sector as well. But we know, but we know that when we come to faith in Christ for salvation, for our sin to be dealt with, to no forgiveness, to no pardon, to no restoration, to be at one again with God, as Mike was talking about during communion, we then have that gift of eternal life. We are able to look forward to the time when Jesus will come again, when he will rule, when he will reign, When in his presence and in his kingdom, the Bible says there will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There's going to be no more crying, no more pain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The comprehensive nature of God's salvation in Jesus' name. That's the power that's in Jesus' name. And so this morning, I trust that... uh, as we were praising and thanking God earlier for some of those wonderful names of the Lord Jesus, that we will be left with something glowing within us which represents something of the wonder of Jesus' name, the wonder of Jesus' name, and for that salvation that we can know through faith in his name. And finally, in making Jesus known, can we take away with us the words of Paul in Colossians three seventeen, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. The name of power, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. May God bless his word to us uh, this morning. We're just going to sing, uh, in conclusion, that song, Lord, I come to you. Lord, I come to you. And as the musicians and singers uh, just prepare, um, can I just give you another little advance word about home groups this week? Do take a peep at your sheets before you meet for your home group. You'll see in relation to number one, uh, in your discussion material, that uh, I'm inviting you to prepare for it beforehand. Uh, to either take a passage of scripture uh, that exalts the name of the Lord Jesus, to take a song on a CD that exalts the name of the Lord Jesus, to take a poem, <laughs> to share an experience, so that you can have in your home groups this week a time of sharing of the wonder of the name of Jesus, for that to be a time of praise and worship. And there's other discussion material there as well. But that number one rather does depend on each of us doing something about it uh, and sharing in that way.